Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of The Issue Podcast. Make sure to check us out three days a week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you guys get your podcasts. Uh, Make sure you follow our social media. Our Instagram is at the underscore issue podcast, and our Twitter is just at the issue podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you tell your friends and listen to The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Tuesday, December 29th. Um, last podcast... Oh, wait, no, no. We're going to have one more before the new year. Yeah, we're going to have um, actually like a, what, a, the day of New Year's Eve, so like the 31st, the yes. morning of, we're going to have a podcast here. We'll get you our picks because you have the, the New Year's Six Bowls, like college football, going to be a huge day for college football. It's going to be a big pick day. Yeah. On um, Not today, obviously. Today we're going to talk about the NFL from this past week, but then come... Thursday, we're going to talk all NFL. We're going to talk all college football. It's going to be yeah. it's going to be a good show. Uh, it'll be good. This it'll show be good. is going to be borderline even better. I think. Yeah, it'll be good. We're going to start off with the Padres um, and the movement they've been making on the roster there, and then we will get into um, you know reviewing the NFL games uh, from Sunday and, and just really like the entire week. Um, but yeah, last two episodes here of 2020. Thank God, get out of this horrendous year. Um, and hopefully better things to come in uh, 2021. Now, people, people, we're, I'm going to warn you guys, you know, we, we always talk about in sports, tempering your expectations, right? Yeah. For Cleveland over the years, that, that's that been their issue, right? They're mm-hmm. like, oh, t- this year's our year. It's like, actually, no, you're going to go like 6 and 10, you know? Yeah. That's been their issue, but 6 and 10 for Cleveland's pretty good if you temper your expectations, right? Yeah. So we got to temper our expectations, people. Let's not act like January 1st. Everything's just going to go back oh, to yeah. being normal. Absolutely. All right. But I'm thinking as a whole, 2021's got to be better. As an know? entire you know, work of art here, as a year of 2021, hopefully it can be better than 2020. Um, if it's not better by like, I don't know, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking about like, by like June. Yeah. It's not like, you know, 75% of normal. Yeah. I, I'm selling my stock in 2020. Thinking I'm moving to Canada. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just spitballing here, but we'll see. Oh, man. All right, so we're going to start off with the, the San Diego Padres. Um, They're making moves. So first of all, what was that, three, four days ago now? They got Blake Snell. Yes, from the, the Rays. The absolute unit of a left-handed pitcher, absolute beast. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the move considering, look, you look at their, their top starters, right? You had Denelson Lamette, Chris Paddock, you had Clevenger, you acquired him. You had no big lefty arms, though. No. Even out of the pen, they didn't have a lot of huge lefty arms. They had Altavilla, Pagan, uh, a bunch of guys out of the pen, but no guys that are these big lefties. I'm not saying, obviously, Snell's not coming out of the pen unless it's playoff time, mm-hmm. and that's in, you're in a pinch, but it's good to have a nice, strong lefty on your on your roster. Absolutely. And I think they should continue to look at building a nice, strong lefty-on-lefty matchups in their pen as well, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a good look to have one in your rotation. And then they go out. They're not satisfied. They go and get Cy Young finalist Yu Darvish and Victor Caratini, who isn't bad. No. He's not a bad. I think, I'm pretty sure he's a catcher, and I think Yu Darvish likes to have him catching, mm-hmm. which is a good look. Caratini can hit. Uh, he was one of the better young hitters for the Cubs, and you know they seem like they always breed young hitters. And, I mean, even the nice thing about that, even if he turns out to not be that great, you still have Austin Nola. Who's been really good for them and right. been good since he's been in the uh, major leagues. He's a pretty young guy, but, uh, yeah, he's been good. So they get Yu Darvish and Victor Caratini in exchange for Zach Davies, who 
I'm fine with. He was a, definitely a, a good four to five starter, but you know he had some limitations. He maxed out around ninety ninety one, which mm-hmm. nowadays look. You don't see a lot of Mark Burleys. You don't see a lot of guys that are throw soft and ha- get results like that. Yeah, I think Kyle Hendricks from the Cubs might be one of the only ones that I that I see that Zach Davies got kind of kind of hit in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Look, he's okay, but we know that the Padres have a roster built to win now. Yeah, you need guys that could that could win playoff games. Right, simple as that. And, and one of the things I really like about this trade, these trades, plural. Um, is just how much it's firing up their team, too. I don't know if you saw it on the MLB's post, um, on the one where they acquired you Darvish. Or, no, it, it was the one with uh, Blake Snell. And uh, Fernando Tatis uh, commented on that. All kinds of emojis. This dude's, this dude's fired up. He's I mean, go. you'd have to be the... And I think that's a, a major thing that people uh, downplay is, is not only... Le- I guess enthusiasm, but a winning culture, a winning feeling in that locker room. I remember talking to Dan Altavilla, who's now on the Padres, and when he got traded from Seattle to the Padres, he said, oh, it's like night and day. Yeah. Not that Seattle, you know, not that I'm not thankful for for everything that Seattle's done, but the difference in a winning locker room and a losing locker room or just a meh locker room, he said made all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And that Padres, they're continuing to build on that. Yeah, um, so they're going out there getting the pieces they need. Uh, question for you. So now with all these roster moves, these trades that the Padres have been making, um, I'd say the other team in the NL that is that talented of a roster would be the Dodgers. So is this pitching staff for San Diego better than the Dodgers, and would you say it, w- it would be top in the league right now with with um, who they've acquired and how they performed last season? So Mike Clevenger, is he, did he get Tommy John at the end of last year? Yeah, he'll be back, though. Will he? No, if he, did, if he got at the end of last year, he won't be back. Uh, they said he should be back. We'll have to check that out. Okay, so maybe it wasn't yeah. full Tommy John. Either way, so if Clevenger is back, you can roll out you Darvish, Blake Snell, Mike Clevenger, Denelson Lamette, and Chris Paddock. Chris mm-hmm. Paddock had a down year last year, but in his, I want to say his rookie year, he had a sub-3 ERA. You know, Denelson Lamette, when he wasn't hurt last year, was an absolute beast, was fanning people all over the place. I would say it's definitely top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. Maybe top, I would say top three, okay? So if, if Scherzer and Strasburg are both healthy, regardless of what's behind them, that's almost automatically a top three rotation mm-hmm. uh, but I would yes I, actually I would probably put this Padres rotation ahead of them I would say maybe the Dodgers are close just because of how good um, Kershaw, Bueller and even Dustin May are Yeah, I mean top to bottom this is the best rotation in baseball I'm going to say it I, I think so and the Padres are legitimate contenders this year. They are... I think they're the second most talented roster in the NL. Right. Like you were saying, when right, let's give A.J. Preller, the GM of the uh, the Padres, let's give him a massive raise. And I said, okay, yes, I see where you're coming from, but let's see how this plays out on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen... Look at Tampa Bay. We thought Tampa Bay were... They have the roster yeah. to not lose a game. They do. In the NFL. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't lose the a game MLB. based on their roster. Yeah. Like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, oh, the, in okay. the NFL, they okay. should they have the roster. They should not lose a game mm-hmm. based on on paper. But they're what ten and five. 
Yeah. So it's like they you it, it happens. So we got to see it play out. But as of now, AJ Preller's making all the right moves. Absolutely, and I'm so excited to watch this Padres team. I mean, I, seeing they all play this with so much energy, right? And seeing all this, uh, all these trades going around through baseball, and especially this one is the biggest one of late. Um, it's just getting me fired up for this season. You know what I? You know what I get a vibe from this team. It's a lot of young guys, and, and they play with so much energy and emotion, and it seems like that these moves fit that. I don't know. You, Darvish, maybe not as much, but Blake Snow, when he pitches, he gets fired up. He is mm-hmm. in that. I mean, look when um, Kevin Kevin Cash, right? When he yeah. took him out of the game, he was very, very upset, which, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be? But he showed that fire and that intensity, and I think that matches with a guy like Fernando Tatis or, or a guy like Jake Cronenworth or Eric Hosmer. They all play with so much energy. Yeah. Even um, Austin then, Nola is a big one, too. Yeah, Austin yeah. And, and you, Darvish, I think he's a little bit quieter, but he just comes in every day and gets the job done. Yep. He might be one of the most consistent starters over the last two or three years. So, And they're competitive, and they want to win. Um, and they're on a team now where I think the San Diego Padres have a very, very high chance. At, uh, it, at least getting to the it, NLCS. Yeah, at least getting to that NLCS. Um, where they lost to the Dodgers, they were swept at the end of the 2020 The only season. thing that I do worry about, they might be a year off. They are a very young team. And if, I mean, I'm assuming the baseball is going to go back to a normal 162 game schedule. And if they don't, it's definitely going to be longer than, I mean, what was the other one? One, this past one was like 60 games. Mm-hmm. So if you even find a half medium, say they go to like 120 games, that worries me a little bit because they're so young. You know, young teams kind of start to get that roller coaster vibe when the season continues to get longer. Yeah. And the inconsistencies start to show a little bit. So that's the only thing that worries me, but they have the talent. I think they have the coach right. I think they have the GM right. The rotation's good. It's almost like uh, like in football, you get the quarterback, the coach, and the GM right. Mm-hmm. A lot of things kind of fall in line. They just fall right into place after that. Yeah, so I think, I think in baseball, it's, it's rotation, coach, GM. If all that kind of falls in a line. And owner. You're in business. Well, yeah, yeah. Especially, owner GM. I think owner GM's kind of clumped into that. Okay. Yeah, yeah especially because, you know, you're talking about a league without salary caps. So you have to have the right owner in there that's going to have the right mindset and go out and get players and want to spend the money. Absolutely. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's about it for the Padres. We're going to move into the NFL here. But can I just say, it feels good to talk about baseball again. Yeah, it does. It feels uh, really good. Yeah. I'm excited for the season. And the nice thing is, uh, you know, this big stacked Padres team, we're going to have Dan Altavilla on pretty soon. Definitely before the season, for sure. Yep, and uh, be able to get his his thoughts on it uh, coming straight from that, um, that clubhouse. Yeah. So uh, it'll be good. And as we segue into the next one, we are going to cover kind of like the biggest games from Sunday, right? Yeah, we'll go over all of them, but we're going to really, really like touch on the, the big ones, right? All right, so where are we going to start? I mean, let's start with major playoff implications, incredible game, primetime, Dolphins beat the Raiders, 26-25 on an insane call, in an absolute, or an insane play. Yeah, in an absolute shootout there at the end. Yeah, at the end, the last, like, what, six minutes were insane. Mm-hmm. So let's start with... The big question out of this game. Actually, let me start by summing this up. People are going to make a huge deal about Fitz and this, all this, and then the Dolphins coming back to win. Yes, the better team won the football game. I think the Dolphins are the better football team. They won the football game. Mm-hmm. But if that dude doesn't try to take off Ryan Fitzpatrick's head, it doesn't matter. Because even if he completes that pass, without the 15 yards or not in field goal range, it probably doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. And so it's not as much as the Dolphins won this game. It's the Raiders lost this game, and that continues to be a reflection on John Gruden. We talked about it last week. 
continue to talk about it now. Time John Gruden wins 40% of his games in December. Mm-hmm. Like, when it counts, John Gruden disappears. Him and his teams disappear. Yep. This is the third team that started 6-3 and three under John Gruden's watch and has finished 500 or worse. Third time. He did yeah. it with his first stint with, uh, with the Raiders in Tampa Bay and now here. Yeah. It's inexcusable, and it's got to be corrected. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's with getting a whole new coach. If you have to sit down and talk to him, and say, "Listen, what's the issue? Is it personnel?" I don't know. Yeah, but there's an issue there. But I wanted to get to the fact that the two are benching. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think he's I think he's so young, and, and I I think when you do that to a young quarterback, it messes with their head a little bit. Uh, especially, I mean, he didn't have all, he didn't really have that many mistakes. I mean, he was 17 for 22, 94 yards, yeah, with a touchdown, no picks. I think it's just, they needed a little bit more life. He just wasn't pushing the ball downfield enough. I think that's really what it came down to. But I do want to say, yes, I understand that it can, it can tend to kind of mess your head a little bit. That's, I mean, that's valid, but I think this is such a unique situation I don't think Brian Flores is such a unique coach that, and rumor has it out of that out of that locker room that Brian Flores is straight up with these guys. Yeah, he tells Tua going in, and he's like, "Hey, man, they're gonna throw some looks at us that I'm not sure are gonna be great for you. If it comes down to it, Fitz is our guy to relieve this game because we need to win. Look, you're our guy going forward, but on a one game, on a one quarter, on a couple drive basis, Fitz could give us the better chance to win. Mm-hmm. I think Tua and Fitz know that going into the game." And they're n- neither of them are dumb. Tua is an incredibly smart young young man, and Fitzpatrick graduated from Harvard. So they're both really, really, really smart smart people. They understand the looks that that the Raiders are going to try to throw at them. They understand that sometimes Fitz's skill set might work a little bit better. So I don't think it's a problem in this situation. Generally speaking, like if you were to go to, to go bench like a if Joe Burrow was still healthy, and you were to go bench a Joe Burrow, or if you were to go bench even Justin Herbert, who's playing really well, then I think you're going to run into a little bit of an issue. Mm. But this is such a unique situation that I don't really think it's a problem. I really don't. I don't have an issue with it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I would worry about is, look, this is, yes, I know the Dolphins need to win here. But if you're going to want him as your guy going forward, don't you want him to get this this type of experience where it's, Okay, we need to play some catch up. We need you in this situation. We need you to be big. We need you to make the throws that you have to. We need they need him to show them that he's able to do that though. At the same time. Like, yes, yes, they want to win the game. If Fitzpatrick's gonna give you the best chance to do that, yeah, go ahead, put him in. But at the same time, you need to make sure that your quarterback of the future can do the same things as your aging quarterback can right now. Yeah, I agree, but then you look at the the game where the Dolphins beat the uh, Cardinals out in the desert, absolute shootout, and Tua won that game. Yeah, Fitz didn't come into the game at all. Tua won a shootout, so I, I think he has shown, and I think that's why Brian Flores was comfortable with saying, you know what, it's fine. Let's go with the best chance to win now, especially because he knows how good my defense is, how good Tua can be. Let's just win games, let's get to the playoffs, and let's go from there. Yeah. And so... uh I like. I still think they're a year out from being in serious contention, though. But we'll see. I mean, never, nevertheless, though, they looked really good. Um, they still the defense looked good. The running game looked good. good. Uh, when you look at this game, pretty even. You know, you scroll through Raiders 
led in first downs, but Dolphins led in third down efficiency, fourth down efficiency, rushing yards, total plays. I think the better team won the football game. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it really boiled down to that. And that one turnover by the Raiders just absolutely killed them. I mean, you could you could talk about, you know, blown calls here, blown calls there. Look, look, they balance out. The better team won the football game, period. Yep. And the Raiders actually uh, had less penalties in that game and less penalty yards. Yeah. They had 40 penalty yards uh, as opposed to Miami's 76. Pretty high for Brian Flores' team. Yep. All right, how about let's move into the Steeler game here, yeah? Yeah. Um, so the Steelers wow. beat the Colts. That was incredible. Uh, they showed that they can actually be a viable football team. I'm not going to go out here and say they're going to make a run. But in that second half, if they can play like that for four quarters of football, they could win a playoff game or two. Yeah, and do you know what the the difference was between the first half and the second half? Ben pushing the ball down the field. Ben pushing the ball down the field. And because, uh, let me look. Um, That's right. Ben was calling his own plays in the second half. Yeah, I saw that. Randy Feekner was not calling plays. The offensive coordinator from hell in Pittsburgh, yeah, pretty much, was not calling the plays. So I love it. I love it. I think it's the best move that's been made yet. Look at Ben, thirty-four for forty-nine, three forty-two, three touchdowns, no picks, hundred nine QBR. Yeah, they, with no run with with the running game doing fourteen for twenty yards. Mm-hmm. Not good. All right, here I have a little bit of a rant. And this this speaks to the offensive coordinator, Randy Feekman. Okay, so Ben is, what, 38? He's 38 years old? Sure. Okay. He's been in the league since 2004. He was drafted from 2004. That's 16 years ago. He's been in the league for 16 seasons, commanding this offense the entire time. And all I have heard, watching every Steelers game, and good Lord, I am so sick of it, is... The analysts, look how fast Ben's getting the ball out. And they put the timer on him. Oh, Ben's averaging 2.2 seconds getting the ball out. Has that ever been what Ben Roethlisberger excels at? Nope. Okay, so why would you take a quarterback that has been elite, a Hall of Fame quarterback. At extending plays? Yeah, a Hall of Fame quarterback. What he does best, extend plays, hold the ball, see, like look downfield, find the open receiver, and make the big throw. That's what Ben has done his entire career, and he's been exceptional at it. But, no, no, no. This year, you know what we're going to do? We're going to switch things up totally on this kid. Not kid, a grown man. We're yeah. going to just 100% switch things up. He's been in this system now for 16 years. Let's do it different all of a sudden. Why? Well, you're making him rush his reads, too. Look, Ben, I'm not trying to rip on Ben here, but he's never been a guy that comes up to the line and makes changes like Brady or, no. or Peyton. He's not... A- Yes, he's a very, very smart individual, mm-hmm. right? I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but he's not known for coming to the line and being cerebral at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You know, yeah, he'll call out some blitzes here and there. He'll recognize the coverage, absolutely. But his magic occurs post-snap, mm-hmm. where Brady, Brady's the opposite. Brady's a very, very average thrower of the football. Yes, he's accurate, but <clears throat> he doesn't have anything that lights you away. Like Ben, cannon of an arm all year, yep. or all, all, all his career. You know, Brady doesn't have anything like that. So Brady, at the line of scrimmage, makes major changes and dissects the defense and attacks them best. Yeah. That's never been Ben's forte. So you're making him rush his progressions. Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and another thing I want to talk about, too. Notice in the second half, uh, it's almost like the receivers looked better, too. Oh, well, why is that? Well, I went back and I watched some of this game tape. 
if you look at it, when Ben's trying to get the ball out really quick in those 2.2 seconds that every analyst talks about and that Randy Feigner wants him to get the ball out so quick, when you go and you watch those plays and then you watch the drops that come from these receivers, like a lot they're not of the even times, ready. A lot of the times, they're not ready. They're not even into their route yet. They don't even have separation. And Ben's trying to get the ball out of there because that's what Randy Feekner wants. He was trying to get these quick developing timing plays. Well, I, these receivers aren't <clears> even <throat> ready to catch the ball. Well, and it's like so. You you're getting press coverage every time if you're not pushing the ball down the field. Exactly. And it's very very hard to win against Especially press no coverage game. when they know. Like, like you come to the line and you go okay. The DB knows I'm not going more than five yards, which means they can put their hands all over me. Yep. They can play press coverage, and they don't have to worry about getting burned. Mm-hmm. They get a safeties up in the box to guard the run. Now, if you're pushing the ball down the field, that means, well, they have to play minimum cover one, probably most likely cover two, and you either have to play man with sink or you have to play zone if you're going to test, if you're going to push the ball vertically down the football field. Yeah. And so it opens up more underneath. Now, if you want to mix in, shorten, and, and – and, Deep passes, perfect. Perfect. On 45% of the plays, if you want to get the ball in 2.2 seconds, fine. But the other ones, you better be throwing intermediate intermediate outs, intermediate ins. How about some long posts, some corners? Yeah. You know, stuff like that, some double moves with Deontay. So, you know, now it opens things up a little bit. Um, yeah. So, overall, it looked like two evenly matched teams that have a lot of the same issues. Aging quarterback. Well, I mean, the line in, the line in Indy's fine. They can run the football like crazy, but... Uh, you know, a- aging quarterback kind of need a refresh here. Why all of a sudden is our line getting blown back on every single run play? Alejandro Villanueva looks like he couldn't... He forgot how to play football. It looks like he couldn't even block a chair right now. Yeah, he was getting worked. I remember seeing that. that was he bad. was getting blown up on every single play. Yeah, it wasn't really good. DeCastro didn't look good. Pouncey didn't even look all that great. I just don't understand it. But so, what do you think about the uh, sort of starting Rudolph going forward here in the in week seventeen? Well, that is, I mean, number one, I have two two feelings towards this. The first one is really you're just going to let the Cleveland Browns walk into the playoffs like that. The second feeling yeah. is protect Ben. Please don't let Ben get hurt for the playoffs because I would rather have Ben in the playoffs and maybe with an extra week of rest rather than risking Ben get hurt against Cleveland in the last game of the season and then having Mason Rudolph play our playoff games. See, I, I'm on the flip side. I don't like the I don't like the move. So Ben's been sputtering, 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 and then he finally puts the other half of football where he looks I don't want to say MVP caliber, but he looks like a top ten quarterback. Mm-hmm. Top seven, I'd say. Yeah. And then you're just gonna go put him on the bench again. Like, I think we should build off of that, you know? Yeah. And even if he only plays, like, a half or a couple quarter, whatever, I, I think you should build off of that. I'm not sure that, that fully taking him out of that game is the is the right way to go. But, hey, Mike Tomlin's doing something right, you know? He's been a winning, very, very winning coach. So yeah. let's, let's just trust that, I guess. And, hey, maybe, maybe we'll see something from Mason here that'll just absolutely shock the world. And I hope you can hear the sarcasm in my voice. I don't um, know why that's happening, but <laughs> how about let's go to the team that he's going to be facing, the Cleveland Browns. They mm. lost to the Jets. Yeah, that was uh Now, I do want to say something, though. Let's not look too much into it. The Jets' second leading receiver was a guy named Jamarcus Bradley, <laughs> who they called up from the practice squad. Yeah. Um, or how about uh, Marvin Hall, who... <laughs> Only has 300 yards on the year, 18 catches total. 
<laughs> and then outside of that, it's both his running backs and his three tight ends. Oh, my. Right, so I thought this came down to a game plan issue. Simple as that. I understand you don't have his the wide receivers. So if you don't have the wide receivers, why are you throwing the ball 53 times? Why aren't you using This looked like a Freddie Kitchens game. Yep. This looked like Freddie Kitchens was like, hey, Kevin, let me just, for old time's sake, let me get in here and call some plays, you know? Yeah. Like he came over from the from the Giants was like, hey, man, let me just let me just call some plays, you know? It's like he just stayed at MetLife overnight and was just woke up and then got dressed as Kevin Stefanski and, and then, then called the plays. Yeah. Um, you have like arguably the best running back duo in the NFL and you're not going to you're not going to use They didn't them? even really try. You're Only 18 carries for 45 yards uh and two and a half yards a carry. Kareem Hunt only had four carries for 11 yards. No, yeah. Job 11 for 28. What are we doing? No, you know what we should do? Let's have Baker Mayfield drop back 52 times and throw to lawn furniture out there. That yeah, seems like that a good idea. It like didn't make sense to me at all. On the flip side, I I guess the Jets like looked good. I mean, not really though. I mean, I mean like they, they didn't look great. They just outcoached Cleveland, which is weird, you know, because Gaze is a bad coach, and I think Stefanski is generally a good coach. I think we, uh, game plan this week, yeah, he outcoached him. I guess Darnold played okay. You know, fifty percent of his pass completed, which isn't great, but he had two touchdowns, no picks. You take that any day, uh-huh. and they get a trick play touchdown from Jamison Crowder, throws a a forty three yard dot. So I mean, okay, fine. Um, you know, I, I don't think you look too much into this game. The Browns were hurt. I think other than the fact that Stefanski kind of blew it from a coaching standpoint, you don't really look too much into that game. They're going to get the receivers back. They're going to be a team you don't really want to play in the playoffs because they can run the football. And when they're at full strength, I think they will run the football, and I think Baker will be good. So, yeah, yeah. I think I I don't know. I don't think there's too much to look at here. Yeah, I mean, it would just. It was kind of shocking to see him get out coached like that, you know. Uh, like you said, Kevin Stefanski this year. I mean, led the Browns to possibly their first playoff season. They still have to beat the Steelers, so we'll see. But yeah. I mean, he's been a good coach. Um, bad game though. Jets win twenty three sixteen. And with that, we are going to get to a break. When we get back, we will have more games to cover. We're and talk we talk about a little bit about Seattle. How about their defense turning around mid season? They're a top three defense in the league the past six weeks. Yeah, the prior. What so the prior like nine weeks they were awful, mm-hmm. like really bad. So yeah. that's that's pretty cool. The Packers, how about them? Running game defense, that's that's new for them. And then the the Bills are just animals. Yep. So. Uh, we will get to all of that in the second segment. So don't go anywhere. Yo, what's up? We are back. Second segment. The issue here on a uh, on a Tuesday was the 29th now of yeah. December. So yeah. moving right along. NFL season is. Almost done, but yeah, the second crazy. season's about to begin, the playoffs. The so playoffs. We should have uh, some good episodes for the playoffs. Oh, it's right? going to be cool. It's going to be cool. But um, so let's get, er- into, let's get into something real quick. Yeah, earlier in the first segment, you got the Padres yep. trade news, right? Um, and we, we covered the Steelers game, uh, the Dolphins, the Raiders, and, uh, and the Browns, the Jets. Now we're going to start it off with the Seattle defense. Oh my God, they played so well. Look, they—I mean, I like Jared Goff, but I'm—I'm—it's being harder and harder to defend him. He's yeah. now a low tier three guy. We had him at a tier two. He's now a low tier three. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look on the year—he's got twenty touchdowns, thirteen picks, he's under four thousand yards. He's not going to play this coming week either because he uh, 
dislocated and fractured his thumb, which means he's not playing this coming week, which means he's going to finish the year under 4,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 13 picks. That's abysmal. That's terrible. That's a bad Baker Mayfield type of year. It's been really bad, and I'm sure he's fumbled probably about seven to eight more times, and so his turnovers are about one-to-one, which is bad. He's been bad. But the Seattle defense sacking him five times, forcing a takeaway – Look, they could be one of the best defenses in the league. Seattle, so. Does this sound like a Seattle win? They were outgained, out time of possession, um, outpassed, outrushed, and uh, yeah. No, no, that doesn't sound like a Seattle game. But what does sound like a Seattle game is they won the turnover battle and they won the yards per play battle. Yeah. And that's what it came down to. They were more efficient. Russell Wilson, 20 for 32, 225 yards, one touchdown, no picks, 94 QBR. Mm-hmm. Chris Carson ran decent. But like I said, it comes down to Jared Goff being just not good. It just wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, 24 for 43, <laughs> no touchdowns and a pick, <laughs> 62 QBR is not good. On It's not going to get it done. And, and when you're, what's the leading receiver? It's Cooper Cup, eight receptions, 66 yards. 66 yards. Yeah, they needed – it seemed like no one uh, stepped up for L.A. to be that that one guy yesterday. No. Um, so. And it was quite evident. Um, so, are the Seattle Seahawks a Super Bowl team this year? Yes. Here's think- why. Because, yes, Russ has been sputtering a little bit as of late. But he's still 4,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, 13 picks. Okay. Adds another – Two touchdowns on the ground. So he's 40 touchdowns, 13 picks. And he can turn back into that MVP caliber guy that we saw for the first eight games at any moment. Mm-hmm. Well, So when you have the best – when you have a top three quarterback in the world and now you're, you have a top five defense, Chris Carson's back, Carlos Hyde's healthy, Rashad Penny's even getting some carries. So they have a good backfield. Their line's playing better. You know, they only let up – they let up five sacks. Okay, not not bad, not terrible. Could be worse. Hypothetical question for you: The Seahawks see the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game. Do you have faith the Seahawks come out and win that and beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers right now? I, I don't. I, would need to, I think I would need to see more. Um, I would need to go a little deeper on the on the facts here in order to, to, to give you a solid answer on that. But I would say I would still take the Packers. Look, they got 21 carries for 124 yards, um, averaging six a carry, two touchdowns from A.J. Dillon, who they've barely run all year. And that is going to segue perfectly into our next game that we're going to talk about right now. The Packers. There we go. Incredible. Um, like I said, A.J. Dillon coming out of nowhere, and you still get Aaron Jones involved with 10 carries for 94 yards. So you give him almost a little bit of a break. You know, without actually having to sit him for a week. Give him only 10 carries. Tell him, hey, just relax a little bit. Two catches out of the backfield. Nothing crazy. Get him over that 1,000 yards for the for the season. Yeah. Help him help him on contract time. And tell him to go kind of hang out. Give A.J. Dillon the spotlight. When they're able to win like that, when you're able to have Aaron Rodgers have just as amount of, the same amount of touchdowns as he does incompletions, mm-hmm. and you're able to average 6.3 yards a carry, like who's gonna beat you? Like who's gonna? It's really tough. I think the Green Bay Packers would probably be my number one pick right now to win the Super Bowl as of today. 
Um, I would agree. They're just insanely dominant. And Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't win MVP this year, I'm probably never going to watch football again. So, I mean, <laughs> look at all the stats. So, they won in time of possession, total drives, total plays, total yards, yards per play, red zone touchdowns, red zone attempts, passing yards, completions, um, had less attempts, yards per attempts were higher, passing touchdowns better, rushing, even though you're playing Derrick Henry, the rushing game almost doubled Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then they won the turnover battle. They led in every statistical category that mattered. Defense was better. Offense was better. Special teams was better. Nobody talks about this Green Bay special teams, but have you noticed? Have you watched them like return a kick? I they're good. Yeah, they're it, a good team. It, it never. They they always have it at least on the thirty to start. And you yeah, get it, Aaron Rodgers' good field position. I think that comes out of coaching. It's a good unit as a whole. Now Tannehill looked like the Tannehill I thought Tannehill is. That this is what I think Ryan Tannehill is as a quarterback. Okay. The reason I am not ready to anoint him one of the better quarterbacks in the league is because, you know, I mean, every three to four games you get this. You get this. And in the National Football League, that's not that good. Yeah. You know, you can't have that every three to four games. So that hurts a little bit, you know. They became very Derrick Henry reliant, which, I mean, everyone knew that they were Derrick Henry reliant. Um, but if you're Tennessee, I don't look too much into this because they match up very well with every other team in the AFC. I think they beat, you know, they probably beat Pittsburgh if they play them head-to-head. They give Baltimore fits. They they most likely beat Baltimore head-to-head. They probably beat uh, Cleveland's close. Like, like, they're in a good spot to make a playoff run. You know, so they don't look too much into this. Look at the tape. Look what you got beat on. Get better because you have a chance to make a run still. Yeah, you know this is not the end of the world for them. They're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, even Kansas City right now, I think Tennessee could have a chance at upsetting a Kansas City because they can keep Mahomes on the sideline, right? And I mean, I've, we've seen it. Are we talking about the Chiefs today? Are we going into detail about that? No, we could go. We could talk about them right now. We have some extra time. I, I would like to talk about the fact that they barely beat the. The fact that they barely beat every single team these past couple weeks. Let, let, let's go back I mean, and look Falcons at Falcons only putting up 17 against the yeah. Falcons? What's going on? Yeah, let's go back and look at the Chiefs' schedule here. Watch this. Okay, so in the last, they beat Atlanta this week 17-14, to and then barely escaped New Orleans 32-29, and then barely beat Miami 33-27. Yes, it's a six-point spread there, but it was a really, really good One possession game. game. One possession game. Same with the Broncos. Same Denver with the Bucks. They lost to the Raiders. People forget this. They lost to the Raiders. Everybody likes to rip on the Steelers and and other teams for losing to bad competition. They lost to the Raiders, guys. 32-40. They lost by eight points. Okay? And then they barely escaped the Raiders again when they played them. 35-31. Yeah, uh, since the the Jets win in Week 8, they've had a one-possession game every single game since Week 9. Yep. Panthers, Raiders, Bucks, Broncos, Dolphins, Chiefs, Falcons. So, I mean, look. I think they're probably going to sit Mahomes. Actually, LA's favored right now because I think they're going to sit Mahomes. Isn't that crazy? LA's favored against the Chiefs <laughs> next week. But yeah, I think the Chiefs. There's an issue there, but I think also uh, Mike Vick was talking on the on the herd the other day, saying Andy uh, Andy Reid is a genius, and he played as a quarterback under Andy Reid in Philadelphia. Uh, that he's probably just trying stuff out, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, see what they could get away with in the playoffs. So kind of, you know, not giving a full offensive effort, which, yeah, I guess you could see that. But since week eight, 
I don't, I don't know. know about that. There's definitely an issue. I think they need to run the football more. I think they need to get back to basics a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know what it is, but they just haven't looked like the same Chiefs that started the season. Okay, look, they were ripping off almost six a carry, you know, against the Falcons. Like, why they only ran 21 times, though. You don't drop back. Like, stop dropping Patrick Mahomes back 45 times a game. Yeah. Run the football, control the clock, play good complementary football. Um, you know who is good playing good complimentary football, though? The Buffalo Bills. And that's who we're going to get to next. Wow. Josh Allen is so good. He's so good. He, I, I like 27 for 36. Four touchdowns, no picks, 139 QBR. Yeah. They ran the football well. Averaging 4.2 yards a carry was enough to keep New England honest. You know, they ran it 31 times. Allen threw it 36, so you were generally pretty balanced. Stephon Diggs had a fantastic game. Nine catches for 145 yards, three touchdowns. They held the Patriots quarterbacks combined to 9 for 21 for 78 yards, averaging 3.7 an attempt. I mean, the Patriots could run the football decent, but uh, not consistent enough all game. The overall passing yards from the Patriots... 56. 56. Yeah, if you include sacks and everything, yeah. 56 56 passing yards. The Buffalo Bills won in every single category except for rushing yards. They only lost by 15. And penalties. Two yards more uh, worth of penalties than the Patriots. 27 yards for the Bills, 25 for the Patriots. They won in almost every single statistical category. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, Wow. I think the Patriots need to blow it up. I think it's clear that Stidham nor Cam are the option. Mm-hmm. Whatever you have to do to get a quarterback, do it. If you got to sign Matt Stafford for a year, do it. If you got to sign Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, if you got to draft someone, um, this 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 coaching staff, this defense, especially the defense, once they get people back after these opt outs, you know, for next year. Yeah. Once you get that defense back, you know, offense gets a little healthier, line gets healthier. You have that coaching staff. That's a solid nine to ten win team with a competent quarterback. Mm-hmm. They have a chance to go Absolutely. seven. Who do they play this coming week? The Jets. Okay, mm-hmm. so they have a chance to go a very real chance to go seven and nine with that roster. That's a feat. And if you could put a competent quarterback back there, that's a easily a nine to ten win team. Right. I mean, that goes to show how genius Bill Belichick is. It really does. I mean, even though they lost 38-9, obviously, um, if you put a good quarterback back there, this is a way different team. This is yeah. a way different roster. Yeah. And you get those eight guys that opted out back on defense. Offensive line gets healthier. Running backs get healthier. It, it could look a lot different next year for New England. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do want to talk about this. A crazy Super Bowl matchup that I think would be insanely fun to watch. Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers. I think it'd be fun because I think you have the two best quarterbacks in the league so far this year. And I know we we got to bump Allen up to tier one. He has to. He's been a beast. Um, I mean, yeah, I think not just best quarterbacks, but best overall teams right now, too. The Buffalo Bills as a unit and the Green Bay Packers as a unit are, I'd say, number one and number two right now in the NFL. When you look at the Bills the past games, they've held their opponents to 9, 19, 15, 24, then 17, you know, like they, they've held their opponents in check. 10, 17, 16. 
So, I mean, they, they, they're playing good defense as of late. Stephon Diggs is playing really well. Josh Allen's playing well. The play calling seems to be in sync. They're doing pretty much anything they want. You know, against a good defense, too. Mm-hmm. So Very good defense. All right. Well, Who do you think wins that matchup, though? Uh, Bills and Packers? Right now, I'd have to say Green Bay by a little bit. Um, I think Green Bay has been more consistent than the Bills have all year. I agree um, with that, yeah. And I think when it comes down to it, especially in Super Bowl time, Rodgers has the experience. I'll take Aaron Rodgers, I'll yeah. I'll take Aaron Rodgers over over Josh Allen, but I mean, I'm, I love Josh Allen. Green Bay has the more consistent running game as well. Yeah. Um, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary don't do it for me. I think uh, now Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, that tandem last night, that'll do it. You know, that that's a good, or two nights ago, that's how you play football right there. Right. And it's crazy because coming out of the NFC, you have, that Green Bay team that is just absolutely dominant. And, and if you, they make it out of that, that's going to be a battle-tested team right there. Yeah, and we always say the AFC, we think, has more talent. Uh, and I just want to talk about this for a second. There's going to be a really good team that gets left out of the playoffs here from the AFC. Either the Ravens, the Colts, or the Browns. Or even the Dolphins. Or even the Dolphins. One of those four teams could not make the playoffs. I think two of the... F- no, yeah, yeah, one of the four teams... Probably going to be the the uh, Colts, yeah. Incredible. And that's a really good football team. Yeah. That is a playoff caliber football team that will not be in the playoffs. I mean, you, you factor in the fact that someone from the NFC East is going to get in. The Colts would curb stomp any of those teams any day of the week. Absolutely. Any day of the week. The Eagles wouldn't even be a wouldn't even be a game. Giants, nope. Dallas, nope. Washington, nope. Nobody yeah. could. None of those teams could beat. Yeah. I think Indianapolis is a better team than all four of those teams. I think they deserve to be in more, but unfortunately, that's not how it works. So, yeah. um, but uh, let's, let's wrap this up here. Let's get to all the rest of the games. We'll just breeze through them. Tampa Bay dismantles Detroit. Detroit's a bad team. Matt Patricia's a bad coach. That's a bad roster. Um, I'd like to point out that I was right when Reggie Ragland came out and said that they had all the pieces to be a Super Bowl team, and I ripped them to shreds. <laughs> I was right. Thank you very much. Uh, moving right along here, San Francisco gets the upset win over Arizona. C.J. Beathard throws for three touchdowns. Kyler Murray looks incompetent. He looks like um, he is about a year or two out from being that next-level quarterback. Yep. The Cowboys come in. They absolutely take the Eagles apart. Win by 20 there, 37-17. to 17. The 6-9 and nine Cowboys over the 4-10-1 Eagles. I do want to touch on something. Jalen Hurts didn't look bad. It looked like once they got away from their scripted plays a little bit, there were some issues. The first two drives were lightning in a bottle they were really really good yeah and then they scored three points the rest of the way um i mean you look they scored 14 first quarter points those first two drives were fantastic then like i said three points the rest of the way i think that shows promise though look like give him some time he's still young uh he still had a 71 qr on a bad day that's not terrible he still rushed for 70 yards could be worse yeah i think the eagles have a good moral victory going forward and coming out of this season uh even though it looked so dreary for a while Mm mm-hmm um, how about uh, Denver falls to the L.A. Chargers? Justin Herbert stacking some wins now. Stacking some wins. He looked good. Uh, 97 QBR. Drew Locke didn't even look bad, except for the two picks. So, actually, he looked terrible. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, Denver's a bad team. L.A. is not great. L.A. probably needs a new coach. Denver might actually as well. Yeah. Um, those are just two dumpster fires. Uh, seeing which one's brighter, basically. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean, which is the better dumpster fire out of the dumpsters? Right? Uh, I think L.A., and I still, I, especially L.A. going forward, because I think 
I think Anthony Lynn probably does get fired, and I think instantly that becomes the most attractive job in the league. You have Justin Herbert, who's a proven rock star at the NFL level. You have a good defense, like weapon-wise. You have a good offense, weapon-wise. You got Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, um, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams is a really good, maybe one of the best second receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. And then you get Derwin James back next year. You have Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. You got the new Kenneth Murray, the linebacker in there. A lot of talent. I That's definitely easily the best job. I definitely think that would be the most attractive job now that the Jets can't get a shot at Trevor Lawrence. Really, uh, I, think- I think them and um, Jacksonville. Whoever gets Trevor Lawrence, and then the, then the uh, the Chargers. Those are the two best jobs you can get. Yeah, because you have two guys that you can. Look at it and say that's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the next ten years. And you don't have to start out with a rental guy that you're going to dump nope. in three to four years. You know it. You know. You know going into LA, like, listen, that's my guy. That's the quarterback of the future. He's going to be a top five to ten quarterback the rest right. of his career. And think about it from a franchise standpoint. If you can get that really good rookie quarterback, you can get the coach right, and then all you have to do, GM coordinator, sign a couple guys, good to go. Uh, all right, how about some two more dumpster fires? Carolina, we said we're going to spoil some seasons. Yeah. If Washington wins that game, they pretty much lock up that division, but they don't because we said Carolina was going to be a big spoiler. They were. They were. Teddy yeah. Bridgewater played well, 85 QBR. Uh, Debo Samuel, or not Debo, Curtis Samuel, actually, wide receiver, running the football a lot, seven carries for 52 yards, and was their leading receiver with five catches for 106 yards. That was cool to see. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I mean, didn't add any touchdowns to show for it, but and just an absolute, it's just a really good game. It's Washington's really good. bad. Washington's a, a not good football team. Their defense is good, but uh, Haskins then got cut after this game. 14 for 28, 154 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, and uh, he gets cut. They turn it over to Taylor Henke, Henneke, and he actually had a d- decent game, 102 QBR, one touchdown, no picks, not bad, not bad. Yeah. Kind of almost led them back. So I uh, I don't really even know what to make of Washington. I think Ron Rivera's got to go out and get his quarterback. He's got to go get his guy. Yeah, I mean he doesn't have that bad. He is a disciplined football team too. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Ron Rivera's a very well respected coach. I'm take, sure they're disciplined. They don't take very many penalty yards. They they won in in penalty yards. Yeah, only having 26 to Carolina's 35. They need to figure that out. Um, I, I mean, Washington still led in passing yards. You know they're not a they're not terror. I mean, it's a bad offense. They need a spark. You know they need a spark on offense. And mm. Haskins isn't it obviously because they cut him. So I think Ron Vera is going to go out and get his guy. Yeah. All right. How about? Uh, oh my God! So many tire fires. Cincinnati and Houston. <laughs> Cincinnati actually wins yet again. Brandon Allen looked really good as their quarterback, and I guess that that, that goes to show how bad Houston is. Yeah. How bad they are. Um, 29 for 37, 371 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. They averaged five yards a carry on the ground. They had 540 total yards. They lit up the Texans. Deshaun Watson spent most of his time on the bench watching as he only had 23, 24 minutes of time of possession as opposed to the 36 for the Bengals. When he was on the field, he was amazing per usual. 24 for 33, 324, three touchdowns, no picks, 134 QBR. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson is out there doing it. All by himself. Their defense is bad. Their running game is, eh. It's just bad. Yeah. Um, Not even too much to say on that game. What's how about Chicago? One of the hottest teams in in the league, though. I told you guys this five weeks ago that Mitch Trubisky is a way better quarterback than Nick Foles. Since Mitch Trubisky has taken over as the starting quarterback 
of the Bears. They put up 25, 30, 36, 33, and 41. How about in the games before that? They put up 13, 17, 23, 10, 23, 9, or 20, 11. In all those games, Nick Foles started. 11, 20, 23, 10, 23, 17, 13. Come on now. Mr. Trubisky's a way better quarterback. Yes. Way better quarterback. He's been good. He's been good. Like, really good in the past couple weeks. He had a 98 QBR this past weekend. He did. Um, and I mean, you don't want to read too much into this week, at least, because, I mean, the Jaguars are just so bad, you know, but... Yeah, but I mean, how about how about against the Vikings? I know that they have a bad defense, but they're at least a viable defense, I guess. Yeah. Had a 98 QBR. I mean, I definitely agree with you that he's better than Foles. I mean, the Texans, bad. Yes, I, I get that, bad, but 127 QBR. Like, he did what he should against that defense. And you put in Nick Foles against that defense, I'm not sure he does the same thing. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, all right, final game here. The Giants fall to the Ravens. The Ravens are playing really good football right now. Uh, the Ravens, I think they've won four straight, I think. I think they've won four straight. Lamar looks really good, 112 QBR. People bang on him. He's winning almost 80% of his games now, and he actually has a higher pass rating than Patrick Mahomes in the past two months. So doing something right over there. Yeah. Uh, he's throwing the ball well. He's really He's a really good thrower inside the numbers. And I think they're starting to really utilize that skill set more. People say, well, he can't throw out the numbers. Well, if he's winning 80% of his games, it doesn't seem like he has to. Mm-hmm. I think we should stop forcing him to have to throw outside the numbers, do what he does best, win football games. Yeah. That's about it. Giants are going to be a really, really good team next year. I think they're a year out. They had some injuries. Is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting here looking at this playoff picture. It is going to be interesting. Uh, this week is going to have a lot. I mean, a third of the league. A third of the league, 11 teams right now in the NFL, aren't sure if they're going to have a game after next week. Yeah. Isn't that not crazy? It's insane. 11. That's a third of the NFL does not know if they're going to make it in the playoffs. Mathematically, I'm sure there's like oh, a, yeah. about five teams that are just like, but mathematically speaking, yeah, that's incredible. There's going to be a lot of meaningful games this weekend. This is crazy. So, uh, guys, make sure you come back to listen. On the 31st, we will have all of our predictions for the final week. Of the NFL. And all the New Year's Six Bowls. we got the college football playoff on New Year's Day. So, yeah. It will be an absolutely loaded show. Uh, go to our Instagram. We will have some uh, posts up pretty soon, uh, prior tonight, on at the underscore issue podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. We just have it at the issue podcast. Uh, make sure you're going there, checking out all of our social media, and come back on the 31st to hear the last episode of 2020. But guys, thanks for hanging out. That was the issue.